Quiet on the set. Action. Welcome to the Movie Machine Podcast, a show where we take a random suggestion from the internet and we turn it into a movie. I am your moderator today, Jacob Gulliver, and I am joined by three of the Hollywood elite. We have Ian Nystrom, who's going to be our writer today. He was the script editor on Melody of Oblivion. Sure was. We have Kyle, our director, who is the jowl animator on the Garfield TV series. Gotta get them jowls. And we have Ben Lifson, who will be our producer today. He was the food stylist on the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory remake. Welcome, gentlemen. I still hate those squirrels. That wasn't my department? No, you're nuts. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> All right. The theme of this story is lighthearted action. The main characters are an ignored repairman and an irrational merchant. The start of the story is a critical injury, and the end of the story is war. So, ignore repairman. He is a building suit, and he is trying desperately to keep this building running. It's falling apart, can't get anything done, they don't have the time to complete everything, he's putting in all sorts of requests to management and to get the kind of funds to get all of his tenants, their repairs, nothing's going right. In the process of trying to prioritize these different people's problems, there's all sorts of conflicts that start arising. You know, Mrs. Johnson on the third floor wants her sink fixed, and it's leaking down into Craig T. Wilson's apartment on the second floor. I'll handle the gassing, but continue. (laughs) Well, Craig T. Wilson's the character name, not the Anyway. He could be an actor. I don't know his name. Um, <laughs> anyway. You're thinking of Craig T. Nelson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Put me in, coach. Excellent. All right. So there's all these different problems that are happening from the super not being able to fix anything, nothing's working right, and just chaos ensues in the apartment, factions, total Game of Thrones, people start drawing political boundaries, trying to get all fighting over this one super's attention. And who's going to get things fixed? He's getting torn in every direction. The merchant is the guy who runs a hardware store nearby. The super, he's the only, he's like the kind of bartender that the that the repairman's always talking to. You know, he's the one. And he's always giving him bad advice. That's the problem. Is he's always giving him bad advice. He's trying to solve all these people's problems and nothing's working. And it just erupts into an all-out war in that apartment complex. I think that maybe I'll pass it on. Or you got a title for this bad boy? Uh, it is called Nothing Ain't Easy. Okay. Right. So, Kyle, the script for Nothing Ain't Easy comes across your desk. It's a story about an apartment complex that devolves into full-on conflict. What do you think? What do you think you're going to do to make this movie happen? I, I think there's some inspiration here. There, there's something to start. But but the mistake we've made, like, you didn't realize, but you've added another movie to a franchise. And this is going to be Paul Blart, Apartment Superintendent. Yeah, so we're going to have Kevin James, after his mall security career has, has bought him out, he decides to become a building super. So we're going to build on the Paul Blart, yes, I mean, Paul Blart sells tickets. Absolutely. I mean, 
if you can sell tickets because of a fat guy in a Segway, you can. You know all the plumber crack jokes we can make about Kevin James wearing a tool belt with his film, and just the jokes write themselves. So we're gonna have him, and he's through his own incompetence. Like everyone likes Paul Blart because he means well, but he keeps screwing stuff up. So he accidentally causes leaks and accidentally flushes old lady Jenkins' cat and everything, and and, and starts causing conflict between the members. Oh, did I mention this is a senior citizens' apartment? Because there's nothing funnier than senior citizens and Paul Blart, aka Kevin James. And so he's going to, and he'll reunite him with his King of Queens. Uh, Jerry Stiller is going to be the old man in the building that is constantly harassing Paul Blart and everything is, is the antagonist of the film. And he's just continuously doing Jerry Stiller type things, uh, which brings in, we're going to bring in, we're, we're going to go from a blast from 2005. Our merchant is going to be played by Ben Stiller. <clears throat> so like if Paul Blart doesn't sell this, Ben Stiller just doing one of his ridiculous characters and Ben Stiller is going to play, he's a rational merchant. He's going to be a telemarketing kind of personality is he's, he's one of the, as seen on TV guys. And he ends up, Accidentally coming to the apartment complex while Paul Blart, we're going to call him Paul Blart. I mean, it's Paul Blart, Blart Super because one of the old people are gullible. So he's going to film a show for all the old folks in their community center down in you know the first level. And they're going to get embroiled together. He realizes he has the magical item to fix all of Paul Blart's needs. And so Ben Stiller and Paul Blart team up with all these goofy as seen on TV. So you, you've seen those videos like people failing at infomercial things. Like all the old people are going to be doing that. And then Paul Blart and the Ben Stiller character. I don't care who what we call him. We can call him totally not a Zoolander guy. I don't care. Um, <laughs> we call him Jeff Smith as seen on TV guy. Uh, and they go through and they solve all of the infomercial problems these old people have with the magic that Ben Stiller has from his magic is seen on TV bag. So, Paul Blart, superintendent. All right. So, Ben, the script has come through. You have a pitch on your desk for Paul Blart 3 Super. It is a story about Paul Blart taking over a senior citizen's apartment complex and managing it as it dissolves into conflict. What do you think? Can we get this movie made? Well, so here's the thing. First off, I had another a genre of a movie I've been trying to get off the ground, and I was thinking I can, of course, sort of combine it with this uh, premise. So, a couple things. First off, the Paul Blart, really respectable name, but, you know, I think in today's society, you know, like maybe two years ago or one year ago when Paul Blart 2 came out, you know, people were willing to laugh more, but now I think we need to be a bit more serious, look at a real American story, think about our heritage. So I'm thinking we can basically keep... You're right, it's not politically correct to laugh at the mentally challenged. Well, no, no, no. Kevin James time Hold on, hold on a sec. No, 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 we're going to keep everything else the same, but instead we're just going to move the time period back to the Civil War. Um, (laughs) Interesting. Yeah, so, um, and so this... So Kevin James is staying? Yes, of course. Um, and you know we can we can still imply it's like his ancestor or something like Paul, like, Paul or uh, our, Paul Blartimus something yeah like something that. like that um, I mean we can think of like oh you could be Obadiah Blart yeah exactly Obadiah Blart um, oh, and yeah and of course, that's a good so you could have big old mutton chops and everything oh, yeah and of course chops. and um, of course the um, you know the, the apartment complex or I don't know what they call them back then like bed and breakfast whatever um, that's like right on the border of north and south so we can add so it's like a hospital for like wounded World War 
or Civil War. I don't even know my wars right now. Um, no, possibly. I was thinking, you know, it's just a place for them to stay. You know, it's like there's, it's kind of like there's a line. You know, it's southern part, there's the northern part, and you know that can tie into the conflicts you guys are putting in there. So I think that it's also going to be a story about people, you know, coming together more. Now, of course. Telemarketer, not really right for the time period. Yeah, you don't say. So I'm thinking uh, we can ship that. You know, we can make him like a, uh, I don't know, a southern lobbyist. Snake oil salesman. Snake oil salesman. Yeah, exactly. You know, them trying to get things off the ground with that. I think, I don't know, I feel like you can basically, for most of the script, like just do a fine replace there. You know, I just really want to make sure that you have some really thought-provoking scenes. A couple scenes where, you know, characters sort of end racism, at least in the small period. You know, in the small house. So if you can pull that off. I'm thinking for the budget, you know, you're mostly going to keep it in this one location, I feel. Like you can do it, I think, like my grandma, we can do it at her bed and breakfast or something or something. So, uh, you know, throw in some extra curtains, make it look old-timey. So let's say, I don't know, 35 well, no, product placement, shoot. Okay, uh, well, 60 million. You're gonna have to be creative about that product placement and Pepsi, because we gotta get that Pepsi sponsor in there. So I'll leave that up to the either of you two to figure out. All right, so Ian, your script has come back from the studio. <laughs> They're willing to make this movie with the caveat that it'd be a Paul Blart piece. Obadiah Blart. Obadiah yeah. Blart. Well, yes, uh, <laughs> a Paul Blart extended universe movie. Uh, set during the Civil War that also acts as a political tool to help end racism. What do you think? Are we going to make these changes? What's what's happening next? I, I actually, I really like the direction this is going in. So now Ben Stiller is going to become our villain here. He's a snake oil salesman and he's coming in and duping all these uh, elderly people out of their money as he's selling them worthless snake oil. Then this is this is where the product placement comes in, is that everyone is going to be... They, they previously are having some sort of, you know, Pepsid product, and this is where they can, you know, can learn to have a little bit of education about the histor- history of uh, the Pepsi company and how they, you know, got their start with it being a Pepsid product. And, you know, we're one of those pre-FDA products that uh, that maybe they had cocaine in or something, but who knows. Anyway, so, and it's that's a what... a good reason to get fueled up and get in a fight, I'll well, tell you that. <laughs> Absolutely. So the a lot of so we'll have a lot of you know pharmaceutical shots where that they'll have you know the old tiny bottles and things and you know people will be you know some, some maybe some of the elderly people will be looking at that and be like ooh this looks like a good product but then Ben still will be like but how about this now our repairman he is in addition to solving all these people's problems he's seeing them be duped out of their money and he wants to do something about this and just can't figure out how to get things. There's a persistent problem in the apartment uh, or housing complex, perhaps. uh, I don't know what their gutter systems were like in Civil War period, but perhaps they're... Probably not existent. For the purpose of this climax, let's say that they're existent but very poor. Excellent. There's maybe some some drainage problems, something that he's constantly battling with uh, throughout the film. But what I'm thinking is, during the climax of the film, there's maybe a calm convolutes of a convergence of events that cause this maybe stuck drain or something to unclog a bunch of stuff comes out of the gutters sets off like a Rube Goldberg sort of thing that ends up being Ben Stiller's uh, downfall in kind of a I want there to be a Rube Goldberg scene I'm really like that idea you know kind of final destination 
sort of thing. A bunch of stuff happens. Ends up Ben Stiller falls into you know some old lady's private toilet or something, and yeah. that's uh, how I want how I'm seeing the things be resolved. And then Ben Stiller, of course, then made a laugh mockery of, and his product is revealed to be awful, and et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So, Kyle, you've got some revisions here. You've yeah. got the, the green light from the studio. Oh, I didn't figure out how to end racism. Sorry. That'll be on you. <laughs> i got ideas. <laughs> Trust me. I'm on this. So, yes. Oh, I'm excited. I've never had so much pain on my palate, as they say. I don't know if anyone who's ever said that, but I just did. I should coin that one. Anyway, so, I love this idea, setting it in the Civil War, in slavery. I do notice one problem. We can't have three white men starring in a movie about ending racism. So, Jerry Stiller has got to go. Ben Stiller doesn't really like working on set with his dad, turns out, so it doesn't work. So, we replace the old man character, the old man of wisdom, with Eddie Murphy. Ooh. Yep, and he, his character is going to be old man Turner. And he's going to be the like source of wisdom. He's he immediately sees. Oh, and by the way, Ben Stiller's character is the magnificent Jim Jangles. Mm-hmm. Like is the magical you know, and he does a whole big stage production. He has a whole troupe of dancing little people that show off his like products and everything. Like we'll get we'll get like one of this like really talented circus troops or whatever from France or Eastern Europe that you know just, just spectacles. He's got jugglers and fire breathers to show off. That's why he's the magnificent Jim Jangles and some magnificent oil. And he keeps duping all the old people in this, you know, building. And we're, oh, we're going to rename the movie. It's going to be called Mason Dixon. Because, mm. because, uh, it's, it's just what's going to be called. And we're, we're actually going to name it. It's going to be Ob- Obadiah Blart Dixon. And then old man, it'll be old man Turner Mason. Gotcha. Yep. And they're going to team up. Like, I love the idea of all the old folks teaming up, kind of like that Home Alone movie. What's the last? I mean, we haven't tapped into the magic that is Home Alone box office for years. So all the old folks are going to fight off Magnificent Jim Jangles and his fire-breathing circus troupe through Home Alone-type things, but with geriatric people instead of a young kid. And we're going to end it with a big Rube Goldbergian thing where Ben Stiller ends up in a cannon. He's launched across the border into the middle of a battlefield. And yeah, just we're gonna shoot shoot him right out of a cannon, and he he can like land on Robert E. Lee's lap or something. It'll be Love really it. funny, and we'll be like, see, ah, history reference, mm-hmm. and and we'll really tap into the history nerds, the 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 people who like old people, so old people. Oh, yeah. Um, people who love lighthearted slapstick comedy. I mean, we got you know people who liked Home Alone when it came out are like forty now, right, or thirty. Mm-hmm. So we'll tap into that. We're like, hey, you remember Home Alone? This is Home Alone with Kevin James and Eddie Murphy and Ben Stiller set in the Civil War. Enjoy Mason Dixon the movie. Love it. All right, Ben. So you have some changes to the script. Uh-huh. You have some more details filled in about how racism yeah, is going to be yeah, ended. Uh-huh. Um, what do you think? Well, f- well, first off, I haven't actually read the new script. Um, I've been focusing on the real part of the movie, which is getting all these products in. That was our goal with the second movie, and I kind of want to continue that. I read some clip notes, though. So, a couple things, by which I mean I read the clip notes from the products who read the script and told me what they thought of it. Pepsi isn't too happy. They don't like the idea that the snake oil sales- salesman is the one who's selling the Pepsi. They think it implies that Pepsi does not actually work to make you feel good and giving you that nice crispy taste on a autumn afternoon. So um, through some legal shuffling around, they've been able to get us, if we could reference that as Coke, 
or heavily imply that's the origin of Coke, and the Pepsi will actually be drunk in a scene where they depict the end of the Civil War, you know, and you see the North and South coming together. Right, and, like, they both have a Pepsi, and it's kind of like, here, brother, have a Pepsi. Um, Coke's Coke's got polar bears, Pepsi's got generals. Right, exactly. Um, So we have another team filming that scene, so you don't even need to worry about that. There's also... Nothing like the Christmas of Appomattox. Right, exactly. Now, there's also some, from some people feel there's a disconnect with the rest of the Paul Blart uh, trilogy or Blartology. Um, So we're just, we've got from the studio, we want to film a couple, like maybe a scene right at the beginning and end where, you know, we see Paul Blart, you know, talking with some of the characters from the past movies. I have no idea who those characters are, but they're talking about it and he's like, or his daughter, I think he had a daughter or something. It's like, Dad, who's this picture? And it's Obadiah Blart, you know, an old wood carving and says like... Oh, and it's like, yeah, this is this is your great grandfather. And then he gets injured, like something hits him in his head, and he dreams the whole movie. Uh, well, we don't want to imply that our movie like didn't happen. Um, no, but he like it, like he embodies. He's like oh, seeing like because of the artifact from his yeah. great great grandfather. Oh, that's a good point. You know what? I'm it, could, just... it could be a vintage Pepsi All glass. Right. Hey, oh, hey, I'm, yes. I'm only going to listen to you a little bit, okay? i got to keep my producer credit, but right I'm going to listen to that. <laughs> so that's good. And yeah, I think uh, tying those together, we got our sponsorship, so that's really all we really need. Um, I mean, the movie's already paid for itself at this point. If we can get into the mind that Pepsi ended the Civil War, I think that's plenty for them. You know, we'll be in their debt forever. Or right. they'll be in our debt. Yeah, I don't see how anything could possibly go wrong with this. Right, exactly. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, my job's done here. Stroke of genius. This man signs the checks. He makes things happen. Right. All right. So I've plugged all of the data into our mythical movie machine, and I'm going to pull the lever and insert a sound effect later. So this movie <laughs> is, how to put it, not well-liked. Uh, <laughs> The, the Does it tri- need to be, though? Yeah. The Blur Trilogy is complete, and <laughs> so is anyone wanting to watch the Blur Trilogy. Um, We've done something good for the world. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking the, about. <laughs> uh, the reviews are pretty unfriendly. Most people do not like this movie in the slightest. They're it's probably very all confusing. The, the message Absolutely. is very weirdly skewed. Sounds like something that could really only come up with producers digging their hands way too deep into a project. However, there is one person who's interested in the project, uh, and that is Jared Hess. Jared Hess is the director of Napoleon Dynamite, and he loves this movie. He thinks this movie is amazing. He sees it as, like, a satire of our film culture and, like, the way that we interact with movies. And he, he ironically loves this movie to death. In fact, in an interview that he does on uh, Conan O'Brien, he talks about how when he was writing Natural Libre, some of the, the moments that he was trying to get to actually happened in this movie, and he's really, really jealous that he could get that far. So then you kind of get like the second wave of like ironic hipsters coming in and wanting to watch this movie, or like people who were really into Napoleon Dynamite, oh, the superfans, came in and wanted to do that. They do ironically, I think. Not to mention that Coke actually sues you guys for defamation of oh, character. Shit. So oh. there's a, a little bit of an issue with that. 
right now you guys are not looking at making any of your money back because of that lawsuit. So that's that's kind of where you are. You have a little bit of time to make a few last minute changes or you can leave it as is and call it art. That's completely okay as well. We're gonna pass it off to Ian first. What do you think? Well, you know, I think, I don't think it's anything we did wrong. I think really the marketing team really undersold this movie in a lot of ways. I mean, have you spent any time watching Rube Goldberg machines on YouTube? They're one of the most entertaining things you could possibly see. I think we need to really push them to sell the Rube Goldberg Home Alone geriatric angle of the film. So really get people on board with that kind of enjoyment and magic that comes from watching a bunch of things just kind of happen randomly and then something happens, you know, cause and effect and super fun to watch. The Coke, I think we can, I mean, it was, we've got plausible deniability, right? Like, there's... Don't worry, I got this handle. Okay, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll let him worry about that. But no, I, I'm happy with it. I think we did a great job. We did a good thing here. The Bartology is complete, thanks to us. Good job, we all deserve pat on the back. Okay, anything else you want to add? Uh, no, I think I'll let her leave it to our director. Okay. So, Kyle, what do you think? All right, I'm going to make some changes. I'm going to go back and dub every time we say a reference to Coke. We're going to make just a reference to the... Really? Oh, maybe. <laughs> I was just going to say to the South. Because everyone knows the South is the bad guys in the Civil War. And there's no one holding on a long grudge in that today because it's 2016. And why would someone be holding on to a long grudge about a war about racism that happened over 180 years ago? That would be just ludicrous if someone held on to that. Like, I don't even, my mind could even fathom how someone could hold on to any animosity of that war knowing they were the bad guys. So, That's a that, shouldn't pass, that shouldn't piss anyone off whatsoever. And then I, I'm going to crank up the slapstick. I, I agree with our writer. Like, we need more of that Home Alone paint cans to the face type of humor that people love and hasn't really been seen since the days of Joe Pesci and, yeah, taking one to the face. So, Paul Blart and Magnificent Jim Jangles are actually going to be teaming up because uh, Magnificent Jim Jangles is going to offer Obadiah Blart a large share of his profits if he gets the whole apartment complex together. And so old man Turner Mason is going to rally all. And this is where the unification of of he's of white and black people, the old geriatrics there, team up to fight off both Obadiah Blart and Magnificent Jim Jangles together. And just, we're going to... I had a lot of fun because Kevin James insisted on doing most of his own stunts. So I intentionally say like, oh, the camera wasn't running. We need to hit you in the face again. So I'm, I'm, I personally am responsible for doing lots of damage to Kevin James's body. And I, I personally am proud of that. And I think I'll, we'll punch up the, the slapstick and, and yeah, Bravo, get rid sorry. of the Coke references. I think we'll be good. Bravo. All right. What do you think? Do we need to make this movie some more money or have you delves too deep. Well, I feel like it was good that the in this hypothetical that the hipsters eventually saw the movie, but I would have liked them to have seen it while it was in theaters, so I think we can do a little bit more to draw them in quicker. First off, soundtrack. Let's replace it all. All the music will be done by Arctic Monkeys. <coughs> you know, really get a... that Civil War feel, right? Yeah, yeah. Get, a, get the indie vibe there. I, I think people really like that, you know. Um, we literally just use their "Hang Me Out to Dry" song, and like have Kevin James yeah. and and and, uh, and they, Ben Stiller hanging from a clothesline. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think 
think we can work with that. And don't sit down because I moved your chair is very. Oh, we could we could do a whole bit out of that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, that, that's why I hired you guys because you know you're indie pop, as they say in the biz. I, I snapped my fingers three times right there, but you can't see it. So, um. <laughs> Nor did it make any noise. <laughs> so, uh, we can do that. Um, I am also been told. Is Coke still on our butts? No, I mean, that's that's fine. Their, their alternative, their solution they offered was that we just changed to Jones Soda, but because um, no one cares about Jones Soda, but they like this better. So we got that because people in the South don't drink Coke, so there's no problem in offending them. People in the South. So anyway, well, we are going to, um, I feel, uh, really, uh, they I think this is going to make a down. big difference, yeah, like, and we're going to make like more years. money, and I think for Paul Blart 4, we can then, I th- want to put in a sequel hook to his ancestor then in World War Two, who will be in Okinawa, but uh, we'll just leave the, the plot seeds there and go from there. Okinawa, Paul Blart. Oh, I totally thought you were going to go with a concentration camp, but yeah, that's good too. That'd be tasteless. And, you know, I don't want to make a mockery of history with our movie. <laughs> Much like Jones Soda. Right. Am I right, fellas? <laughs> yeah, who makes apple soda, really? <laughs> apple soda. Right. Well, you get Coke off of your ass, which is great. You still don't make back all of your money, but you're not kicked out of Hollywood forever. So congratulations. <laughs> the South gets very riled up about this movie. The, what? Uh, the, what? The folks who love the Confederate flag are, are, are pretty pissed. There's definitely some people who go it just to spite those guys, though, so you get a little bit more money there. So there you have it, Mason Dixon, or Paul Blart 3. The Blartning. <laughs> colon, Mason Dixon. Yeah. Yeah, Paul Blart 3, colon, Mason Dixon. Yeah, that's that's a winner. Good job, writer. Good job. As always, we will end our podcast with a quote from our divine sage of wisdom, Guy Fieri. I'm telling you, I can't believe they don't try to harvest me in winter. Have a great night.